enjoy life be thankful work hard and never stop of course there's gonna be tough days you're not gonna feel like going to the gym you're not gonna feel like doing your business but you just have to grind through it doesn't matter you have to build your life not around your career you have to first and foremost think about your religion friendship is a priceless gift that cannot be bought nor sold but its value is far greater than a mountain made of gold for gold is cold and lifeless it can neither be seen nor hear in times of trouble, it's powerless to cheer. Gold has no ears to listen, no heart to understand. It cannot bring you comfort or reach out a helping hand. So when you ask God for a gift, be thankful if he sends not diamonds, pearls or riches, but the love of real true friends. Edgar, this is a biography uh, about Muhammad Ali, written by Anna Ali, uh, his daughter, and it's a memoir uh, written about him. Uh, by his daughter, and it's a beautiful book, and sorry podcast, I would like to give this to you. Oh, thank you. I'm reading also another book by uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, I think it's a little bit different one, so it's another good addition to my bookcase. It's a pleasure, it's a pleasure, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's different than his other thank uh, you. books. You're welcome, because the, I, I, I read uh, the one about Butterfly, I yeah. know that's when you're referring to. Like that, that one was written by a writer. This one is his daughter. So it's like she writes. Like for example, this is a poem that he recited to her. Uh, mm. Like when she woke up, something like that. So like it's a different look on his life, and it's very intimate. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, he's a he's a good example. I look up also to Muhammad Ali, and uh, may Allah have uh, mercy on his soul. May Allah forgive all of his sins and give him the highest jannah, mm-hmm. highest place in paradise. Yeah. And uh, he's an example for everybody. Example in the fighting world, how you, how you need to build up fights and everything. And uh, more so he's an example how to be a Muslim and everything. After uh, he finished his career, when he had the disease as well, he said, uh, that he's thankful, like in this quote, he's also thankful for the disease because he understood that he's not the greatest, that uh, the Almighty Creator is the greatest. And uh, and uh, that's good that he died on these, these beliefs, that he understood that only the Creator is the greatest. Yeah, yeah, it really puts things into perspective also to hear it from someone that has achieved so much, that they're still very uh, grateful and, and, they, and they believe, like, I think nowadays, especially in Europe and other countries, like that kind of fades away a little bit more. When you read these things, it makes you feel uh, more included, at least for me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And as he said in the quote as well about thankfulness, about being yeah. grateful for everything, yeah. and uh, for, for for being grateful that you have, not always you're gonna have the all of this dunya, all of these pearls, gold, cars, and everything. Be grateful for the cards that you have been dealt. And uh, like Creator says in Quran, if you're gonna be grateful, I'm gonna give you more. Yeah. It's about patience as well, about patience in life and uh, my business where I work in my sports business, in my career as well. It's all about patience, consistency, and being patient as well. When I mean like being patient, it's not like just like sitting and waiting for something that's gonna happen. When you make dua for uh, God as well. It's not about just making dua, you have to take action, you have to take the means as well. So this is our religion and uh, our last 
and final message of Muhammad peace be upon him as well this is the best example yes we believe in God yes we ask him everything that we want but we also have to take action yeah. before you continue watching please consider subscribing and hitting the notification bell so you never miss a future upload can I ask you because you uh, I saw on your Instagram stories that you were in uh, in Mecca last week and uh, I think that's a very relevant topic to talk about considering we just talked about this uh, could you talk some could you could you talk about how that was that experience well actually like to be honest uh, it's hard to talk about it because words cannot describe it words cannot describe this feeling what you have that uh, inner feeling the spiritual feeling that you have it's uh, in between you, between your intention, why you're going there, why you're doing these rituals to the Holy Land, to the first house of, house of worship. It's also called like house of God. So you cannot go there just like that. We Muslims believe that you have to be actually invited by Allah, invited by the Creator. So when we are making uh, our dua and everything asking asking him we have to ask also like for for the allowance so he allows us to enter there so he invites us to Makkah to the holy land and uh, like i said words cannot describe it's, it's just between you it's just between the creator uh, when i was uh, going there when i was there already i was just thinking it's like so many people so many nationalities races and everything we are all together and uh, this a uh, little bit reminded me the day of judgment as well because you're there just in two pieces of cloth just like it's like two towels nothing else you don't have anything you don't have even your underpants and everything you're just going there doing all of these rituals that has to be done and um, these are my thoughts what I came there when I when what I felt there it, it reminded me yeah we all we all are together there, different kind of races, nationalities, like I said, but in the end, it's just in between and uh, your creator. Could you talk about the rituals that you perform when you're there? Because for people that don't know, like what it looks like and the meaning behind them. So, this, uh, this is called a small, a small pilgrimage, uh, Omrah as well. It's called Omrah. And... Uh, it starts by you, like I said, it's all between you and God. It starts with your in intention, what's inside of you. You have to take intention that you're going to go there, perform this ritual, Omrah, that you're going to go to house of God and do all of these things, what our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam did, all of these things. When you go there, it starts just by going you there and seeing the Kaaba. It's the, the cube, the black cube. And uh, for those like listeners who doesn't understand this and everything, we're not worshiping the Kaaba. It's just it's just a place of worship. It's just the direction towards uh, where we pray. We are worshiping the one who created that Kaaba, the one who created everything. And it just starts with that. After that, you do like seven tawaf, seven circles counterclockwise. And I heard about this, why, why we are doing counterclockwise, because everything in this universe, universe goes counterclockwise. And uh, I don't know about that, I just heard about it, and Allah knows best why we do it and everything. We're just, this is, this is His command, 
this is what our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi did. That's why we're doing it. And uh, after that, when we finish the seven circles, we go to the place where uh, Ibrahim, uh, it's also called in English Abraham, the one who built this house, he prayed, we prayed there. After that, we go and drink Zamzam water, which uh, is, is like a blessed water for us and everything. Uh, our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he also told, uh, Zamzam water, you, when you drink it, it's just for whatever you want, for whatever you have deep inside of you. That's what it is for. And uh, the last step is you are like going in between mountains, Safa and Marwa. This is uh, representing uh, when Haja, the wife of Ibrahim, she was going in between mountains when she was left alone with the child in the desert there was no no water there was no nothing and the, the the child the baby was crying and she was searching for uh water where to find so, so so she was running from in between these mountains so we are doing the same we are going and running in between these mountains also seven times and uh, we do this because this is the part of ritual and uh, because also haja was doing it and uh, why she was doing, she was looking for water, like I said before. And uh, it's a desert. Where can you find the water? At that time, uh, as I know from the Hadith and just reading about Islam, about history, uh, that the angel came down, uh, the angel hit the ground and the water came out. This is the Zamzam water, what I was like referring, what we are drinking there. And... Uh, of course, all the all of this time you are making dua, you are asking forgiveness, asking for uh, whatever you want, both in uh, this worldly life and uh, in the hereafter as well. So, in the end, it finishes getting out of this state, which is called ihram state, when you are performing this pilgrimage, you go and shave your head. And this is how it ends, the small pilgrimage. Could you talk about dua and for the people that don't know it, like uh, don't know what it entails, like how you do it, and uh, just the way that the, the religion sees that. So the the dua is like uh, like almost any other religion do it, does it as well, like uh, both Christians, Jews, and I think also in like even Buddhism and, and in uh, many religions, uh, just asking the Almighty Creator for, for whatever you want, for forgiveness, asking for these dunya things, for uh, what, when, what is dunya? Dunya is this worldly life. Asking, I don't know, I want to get a phone. Just go and ask. Ask. But after you know that you, after that you have to take the means. You have to go work for it. You have to like plan how to get it and everything. So this is just sim simple like uh, definition of dua. Of course, if you're gonna ask some scholar, he's gonna give you like specific, more yeah. precise like definition. But this is just for a people like us, just simple people to understand. Just just making and asking uh, God for whatever you want. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, and I I think by by doing that, you're also uh, putting yourself in a position where you're you're asking, and by doing so, like you will subconsciously like you, you will direct yourself to there, right? Like that's also one of the the ideas behind that, if that's in your head, you ask for it, and then by doing so, like step by step, 
but you also have to do it yourself. And that's what you, I think, what, what you mentioned as well. Because I've heard a lot of people that, for example, people that are non-religious or non-Muslims that were like, oh, but if, you, if you're just asking for it, how does that work? But like you, you mentioned it, right? It's, you, you have to also take the means to do it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But it starts like in between yeah. you and the God. Within, within yourself, you have to like understand that you like... Uh, there is somebody who can provide it for you yeah. and you can ask for it and uh, everything starts from there yeah you after that you have to take action it's the intention right and also you mentioned it with like the uh, with, with going to mecca like you you need to have that intention could, could you talk a little bit about that like how does that work is that something that you have to do within yourself or if someone wants to do that themselves what is the way that they should approach that yeah intention is just in between yourself yeah inside of you you don't like uh, even have to say it out loud and everything it starts with intention. Each and every action has some kind of intention. And uh, like the last uh, prophet, of the last and final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said every action is going to be judged by intention. On the day of judgment, it's going to be judged by your intention. What was your intention? So maybe somebody can give charity a lot of money, but... Uh, it wasn't done with the right intention. Maybe it was done just to show off and show how much money you have and uh, and uh, things like that. So it's not a good intention, right? Yeah. Yeah. But m maybe something lesser can be done with a good intention. Maybe I can. Somebody can give food to somebody. Just you have the intention because uh, you want to help out. You want to help out uh, that person or group of persons for the sake of God. And uh, that's how it's going to be judged. It's inside of you. We, we, we haven't mentioned it yet, but you're a fighter. And I'm, I'm very interested about how religion has impact on your uh, fighting career and the way you, you, you view a fight or perhaps you prepare. Are there some things that uh, intertwine? Of course, uh, religion is not just uh, when you go and pray in the, in the mosque or when you go to the Makkah and perform uh, all of these rituals, uh, this this uh, religion is more like a lifestyle. It includes everything. You have to build your life not around uh, your business, your career, or everything. You have to first and foremost like think about your deen, about your lifestyle, a lifestyle, about your religion, and uh, then you build everything around it. If I would say it's uh, not impacting me in any way or, or so, it would be a lie because uh, each and every step that you take, that you do, it impacts you in uh, all of... And religion, I can tell you, yes, of course, it, uh, it helps me. It helps me uh, be calm, be peaceful, and uh, just trusting, trusting myself and trusting whatever has been wrote trusting my destiny what uh, the god has wrote for me so of course it helps and uh, i cannot like uh, think like uh, how can people achieve uh, great heights without uh, having this belief this taqwa which is called like god consciousness all the time you know that whatever happens happens for a reason so if you like in in a business, go gain some money or lose some money. Even if you lose, lose a fight, lose a money. So there was some kind of reason in it, and maybe something is good in it. 
So that's what kind of mentality you have to have. And uh, like I said, uh, Muhammad Ali, I have studied a lot of athletes and everything, uh, read their biographies. Most of them have this this belief, this understanding uh, that uh, whatever happens, happens for a reason. What would be your advice for people that, especially in, in, in good times, have difficulties with uh, practicing their religion? I, I know that in hard times, a lot of people come back to it. Uh, but I feel like, also for me, I'm asking personally as well, uh, when things start to go well, and I don't really have, like, sometimes I have difficulties to think about it, and uh, it just doesn't come to my mind. Uh, but when things are harder, then it's the first thing that I'll, I'll go back to. Do you have some advice for that, or maybe you understand the, the situation? Well, first and foremost, nobody's perfect. We are not perfect. Our, like, uh, level of faith increases and decreases all the time, increases and decreases. Just... Uh, what can I advise for myself first and foremost and then only to somebody else is just when you have these blessings and everything, just be grateful. Just be grateful and don't forget, don't forget. Like, just be grateful and try to pray on time, do everything and uh, after that everything will fall in its own place. Inshallah. Can I ask you about your, your daily routine? Because now you live here, you're a fighter, you also have other venues that you uh, explore in. Could you tell me some more about that? Oh, well, yeah. Like, so my day starts, I, wo I wake up all the time. It starts with a prayer. You have to start uh, your uh, day right. The worst thing probably is to start a day by opening up your phone and scrolling around, all of these things. So, uh, I do the prayer, I do all of the other like daily habits uh, which I have. I try to read, read the uh, Quran, read something else like biography. Now I'm going to be happy to read this book as well, to include it in my like daily habits. After that, uh, I have a training session, just like today we were there in TK. I train here at TK MMA Fitness. We have our pro sessions, whatever we have, like sparring sessions, grappling sessions, uh, everything. And uh, after that, I do some also like uh, training for uh, other people, some uh, private classes. I don't do it a lot, like, because uh, I don't consider m myself like a 100% coach. I just do it here and there because I know if I'm going to do a lot of uh, personal training, it's my energy is going to be divided in between fighter, in between uh, personal coach. Yeah. So you're not going to be the best here, you're not going to be best there, so you're going to be in between somewhere. So, but you have to do something. I have to, I like to give back as well. I'm just doing these, this, of course, yeah, there is some kind of money, you gain some kind of money. You have to eat, live, and you have to support your family. But uh, I like this, I like this, like, uh, I like being a fighter, I like training, getting ready for a fight. But I also understand that I have a lot of knowledge inside of uh, physical education, uh, martial arts, staying healthy. So I want to give back all of this uh, knowledge that I have. And uh, like our sports doctor back in Latvia, he says also, if you want to get uh, extra knowledge, first you have to like empty your, empty your mind, like give back to the people. After that, only like new knowledge is going to come to you. That's very well said. That's very well said, especially the the quote that you said by 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 your 
trainer or it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, our sports doctor. Yeah, sports doctor. Could could you talk about your time there in Latvia? How it was when when you were younger and how you enrolled in in the in the sports world? Well, uh, I was like when I was growing up. I started to train when I was seven years old. It was 1998. Before that, uh, my parents, grandparents, like they have this like propaganda. They were showing me all the all of the Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee movies, blood sport, ev- everything, uh, turtle, turtle ninjas as well. So this this was their propaganda, and I was just uh, after that, it was just obvious to put me in some kind of martial art. And uh, at that time, we in uh, in the city where I lived, we uh, had a karate. It was at these times it was very popular. A lot of people. I remember when we were when we went there and signed up. Uh, I don't know, two hundred people maybe signed up or maybe even more. Uh, so this is how I actually started. I started with karate, and. Uh, When I was like uh, getting a little bit older, then we started to do other things as well. Yeah, like boxing, kickboxing, judo, all of these things. Are... Were you still practicing karate at, at that time? Yeah, yeah. I, I was still practicing, but just like uh, uh, I wanted to like expand your knowledge. Yeah, ex- expand my knowledge and uh, just like get more get get more knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, I also saw UFC. Yeah. That was one of the reasons as well. I saw yeah. one of the I saw the first UFC, second UFC, and just went from there. Like, uh, and there was a karate guy as well, and he didn't win. The jiu-jitsu guy won, won and everything. So I, that's why when I started to do all of these other martial arts, like judo, jiu-jitsu as well, and I got interested in MMA. And uh, when I was uh, 18 or 19. I don't really remember the precise, but then then I st- uh, like had my debut in MMA as well. This is when everything like all came together as well. All of the martial arts. Did you always know you wanted to become a fighter full time? Because like I I, can, I I suppose you were also doing school back then, and you were very busy with that. How did that in, like how did you combine those two things? And at what point did you certainly know? Okay, this is what I want to do as a career. Well, I was training all the time. I was like in in sports, in in karate. I was like hundred percent. I was like in our national team. We were went to like all of the championships, European uh, World Championships, going here and there all the time. So from early age was I was like in a sports, and it was like almost already like a, your profession. You go to school. After that, you have to go to the training uh, or even. Before the school, you have to do the like your uh, your running. You yeah. go to school. After that, you do your karate, boxing, whatever you do. And uh, it was it it was all already like my profession at that time. Yeah. That's how I like started. And uh, like I said, when I saw the the first UFCs and everything, this is uh, when I wanted to like try it out and uh, also be a fighter. Do you think it is valuable for a young child to start with a martial arts? Because me personally, I've been taekwondo since 2006, and I've learned a lot of lessons from there. Mainly discipline. I, I managed to like obtain a certain work ethic that I can apply in all things I do. What are some things that you've learned, and what would be some things that you would uh, advise, uh, like people do, so that they can also develop whatever skills they want? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You have to put your child somewhere in in some kind of sports and. Uh 
like you said, Taekwondo, I started with Karate, these like traditional martial arts and everything. These are perfect. Uh, like if you ask me, I would like advise to put put your child in some kind of traditional martial arts, where is, especially where there is a lot of discipline and a lot of respect, a lot of respect uh, for your coaches and all, all of your training partners and opponents as well. This is what uh, it teaches the most. And uh, why I, li I like it, like to put it maybe in karate or taekwondo or judo, then in boxing, kickboxing, because oh, as well, there are, aren't a lot of punches to the head, like full power, uh, full contact as well. So when child is growing up, I think it's not the like, best to like get punched yeah. in the head. So these are the best martial arts. After that, yeah, when they get older and everything, when they grow up, when they are starting to become a man, you can put them like in a in a rough rougher sports like boxing, kickboxing, and also like before you can put it, I think also in a wrestling, because that that teaches a lot to the child. That teaches like overcoming adversity, overcoming these hard trainings and everything. That's uh, that's a good uh, sport as well. I would like put my child also in a wrestling, yes. And actually wrestling, like we were talking about religion as well. So this is one of the so-called sunnas, what our, uh, the last and fi final messenger, Muhammad, also like, uh, he suggested to do wrestling. Wrestling, swimming, and uh, what was the one as well? Like shooting arrows, what is that? Like mm. archery. Yeah. Archery. Archery. Uh, is, there, is there some information about why he, he specifically chose those activities? I'm not sure, but like we were talking before, like these, these like kind of uh, sports and martial arts, I consider wrestling a martial art as well. Because uh, uh, if you're going to take uh, a look in some kind of pictures, when I see these young kids training wrestling and everything, they're like 11, 12, year, 12 years old. They're all ripped, all already like yeah. develops, not just your body. Yeah, you get ripped, but also your mind. You get just tough and you, you understand that you like overcome any hardships. Do you think it's harder for someone when they're starting uh, with a martial arts, for example, later in their careers, to say that? Because I know some fighters that started when they were 18, 19, and then they became even very later, successful. Yeah. Even later, yeah. I think Francis Ngano, like uh, the UFC heavyweight champion, yeah. I think he started later, 20-something, or maybe, uh, maybe even uh, after that. I, I, have you heard him on the Joe Rogan podcast? He talked about how he went like through deserts, through like the to Morocco, like in the sea. When I heard that, I just got goosebumps Mind throughout the entire podcast. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you cannot compare these hardships, your own hardships, what he went through. So, when you are in like some kind of difficulties and everything. You have to think there are people who are in more, more bigger difficulties, and uh, what he went through and everything. I'm just happy that he won UFC, UFC heavyweight championship. It's the perfect story. Yeah. It's the perfect story to getting out from a small village in Cameroon, crossing the desert, like getting back to the desert, not like going to the Europe and everything. It was so hard. If you haven't listened to it, you just have to listen to it to the, to, the, to this story. I'm just. And I'm so happy like that he won UFC 
uh, championship. He really deserves it. He really deserves it. And do you believe those hardships are essential for someone to become a UFC champion, for example? I think it's not only that. It's necessary in your life. You have to have hardships. Otherwise, you're just going to stay in your own comfort comfort zone and you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow as a man, as a, as a human being. These, these are the things that develops you, develops your mind, that develops your life. I think you have to have hardships. But uh, imagine someone comes from a very uh, comfortable childhood and they, they've never really encountered uh, hardships. Everything was arranged well. They went to school. They got a nice degree. They just followed like a very traditional path. And they never had any hardships that they couldn't avoid because everything was taken care of by their parents or their family. What are some ways that people can deliberately put themselves into those hardships so that they can also develop character? Because I've heard that a lot. Well, like we talked before, just put them into the sports, put them into the wrestling. You're gonna understand what is hardship, <laughs> and uh, that's what. That's why a lot of people are actually putting their kids and everything. Yes, of course they wanna get healthy kids. Get uh, get them thrown and everything, but uh, it's I think it's more about the, your mindset. It uh, te teaches you this like uh, like never surrendering. Like all of these competitions, when you go to the competitions, when you win, when you lose for the first time, all of these emotions, especially for a child, I think nothing can like uh, replace that. Only if you are living somewhere like in like Francis was living, that yeah. that that's another level. You you talked about Francis. Are there some other fighters that inspired you? Well, I was looking up to a lot of fighters, of course, when I was when I was training, uh, when I was in karate as well. I was looking up uh, when I was watching UFC at that time. When I started to watch UFC, I was looking to Lyoto Machida. Uh, because he was from the karate where I start, started, the same karate style, Shotokan. And uh, after that, uh, in my last fight, I was fighting against his student. So this is like amazing how, how life turns out. Uh, you look up to a person, uh, you look up to a fighter, <clears throat> and after that you meet, you compete in, against his fighter. So it was an honor for me as well. And... Uh, when I also when I started to watch UFC, of course, uh, Hoyce Gracie, the he's the founder of this UFC, of this MMA and everything. He showed the world that uh, about about Jiu Jitsu. Jiu Jitsu also is huge uh, here in UAE. Uh, I know that you have uh, like Jiu Jitsu classes here in uh, when you go to school, in police, in uh, army. So it's perfect. It's perfect that uh, this country is giving their. Uh, citizens and residents all of this uh, great knowledge you 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 mentioned some of your fights uh, that you've done for example lately what was the most impressive fight you've done the most impressive like i have to think about it uh, it's it's always the next upcoming fight that you're like focusing and everything yeah. and the last one and everything i have uh, done so many fights especially like in karate when i was growing up we had a karate competition almost every week so maybe i have like uh, amateur style karate like mm. i don't know thousand thousand or may maybe more karate matches you know how it is similar like uh, taekwondo as well yeah. you go to, uh, to a competition 
and you fight maybe three, four to five, six opponents. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all, when I was growing up, it was almost like every week. So I got used to this competition, and after that, uh, it was just common sense that I started to compete in uh, MMA, in boxing, kickboxing, all of these like martial arts, and. Uh, but if if we are talking for about uh, like who what what I remember like when it comes to my mind when I'm thinking about my uh, my fights, the crazy experience was the when I was uh, fighting in China. At that time, I was living in uh, in Thailand, and uh, I was training all the time, like staying ready, ready. And uh, the opportunity came up, like they called me maybe on Monday. We have a tournament here, an eight-man tournament in China. Uh, one of the fighters has been injured or something happened to him. He fell out of the tournament. We need a replacement for a 65 uh, kg tournament. So I accepted the, sec the the rules and everything. I mean, this in advance was that? Well, Monday I got the call and on Saturday I was competing. This was in a... This wasn't amateur, this was pro, pro, pro competition, an eight-man tournament. So this was a crazy experience. I went there, I made weight already Friday, and I, I fought on Saturday. Uh, the first fight, uh, I fought against Iranian guy. I finished him in the first round with an armbar. A karate guy finishes uh, somebody else with an armbar. Uh, second fight, you like you win win a fight, you go back to the locker room. You like you cannot sit, you cannot enjoy the fight, you cannot enjoy the victory. You nice have to one. get ready already <laughs> for the next one. And about in a fifteen to twenty minutes, there's already your second fight, second pro fight. So I was fighting against Chinese fighter, the local guy. When you are fighting like local fighters all the time, you have to finish them. You have to finish them. Otherwise, they're gonna give the decision to the uh, to the local fighter. Is it always like that? Like ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent is like that. Especially when you're fighting in China. In China, it's hundred hundred percent. So so I knew that. I knew it's, that. It's funny because I talked to Rechian Irsel. He's the one FC champion now. He uh, and he told me the exact same thing. But also in Turkey, he said that there's also like a little bit the rules are uh, yeah yeah are bent. Yeah. What was it like to fight in Asia in general? Like I, I can I can imagine a tournament like that is super exhausting. Like you're like you don't have any moment to rest. Like keep on going. Like yeah, what, you, what what goes through your mind at, at at that moment? You're just trying to stay in the present. You you don't think about what's gonna happen yeah. next. What's gonna happen here and there. What you're gonna eat after fights. You just have to <laughs> compete. You you win your second fight. After that, in twenty minutes is the final and everything. You have to like stay focused all the time. It's uh, it's uh, it's not only tough for your body, but it's tough for your mind. You have to be hundred percent, hundred percent like focused and uh, being ready just to fight, just uh, being here and there, just not wandering around. But uh, thank God I won that tournament. Uh, I got the victory, the belt, everything, and the experience there was great. It was like nowhere else, like nowhere else. Because uh, people there, it's 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 a different feeling. Like after that, just uh, local Chinese, they they were coming taking pictures. I haven't seen this anywhere else. Like yes, you win a fight in a whole time. Yes, there come comes uh, people taking pictures and everything. But like Asian fans, they're different. Their culture, they're like uh, just just their culture. Yeah, I guess it's like like they are like supporting 
not just uh, the winners, of course, the winners, they support extra, as I know, uh, but uh, they, they are very respectful for martial artists. Uh, how much time did you spend in Asia? In Asia, well, when I was living in Thailand, I was uh, living the last time when I was there. It was almost a year. Also different, different uh, mentality there, different culture. And uh, people are very respectful there. Uh, people are always, most of, the, most of the time, smiling there. And uh, all of these countries, even here when you are in Dubai, mostly it's all the time sunny, it's good weather, and it's a different feeling. Like, Of course, there's going to be tough days and everything. You're not going to feel like going to the gym. You're not going to feel like doing your business, your work or everything. But you just have to grind through. It doesn't matter. You feel happy, you feel sad. It doesn't matter. You have to grind through. What were some, some hardships that you encountered there? Because I can imagine the system is completely different. So was it hard to get fights there? Because you mentioned that the only fight you had gotten there was the one on, on the four-day notice, or yeah. the, like the one-week notice, and then it's like a eight-man tournament, which is like the worst thing that can happen, I, I, I feel like. Well, thank God for me, it wasn't the worst worst thing. It was the best thing yeah. at that time, and I really needed it. Yeah, and... Uh, you, you had no doubts when, when accepting the call? I didn't have any other option. Yeah. I was without fights uh, for, I don't know, like six months or something. Money was running out. I was like on, on my last money and everything. I didn't have any opportunity and any other chance. I had to accept. I had to fight because long time there was no fights. I had to fight also because of the money. In the end, you're also a prize fighter. Uh, yeah. At that time, it was very important for me. And uh, but after that, it it gets more like because before before that before China tournament, I was like mostly fighting in Latvia, which is like in local promotions. Yeah, you like around Baltic states, you go to Estonia, Lithuania, but people don't know your name, people don't know your style, your fighting style, your uh, people just don't know you, and uh, after like. Uh, I won this victory in China and everything. Then people started to notice me. Then I got more like uh, opportunities to fight here and there. So when opportunity like this comes to you or any other opportunity, just say yes uh, and figure things out later, how you're going to deal with them, how you're going to deal with these things. Could you talk about the way that it works? Because you mentioned styles a few times. Uh, you do the Shotokan style, right? If I'm, I'm, I'm correct. Could you talk about how that works, that you have different styles in, in the sports and that people from different styles can also compete together? How does that work in, uh, in practical life? Well, yeah, there, there are, like, you know, you do Taekwondo, there are different styles as well. Karate, there are so many styles and everything. I started with Shotokan style, which is the traditional style. And uh, now there are... I'm competing in Karate Combat, which is a professional league for karate fighters, which is like, uh, I would say so, like UFC for karate guys. This is the league which is, there is no one style. It brings all of the styles together, like Shotokan, Kyokushin, American Karate, all of these styles. There are so many styles. Uh, Machida style as well. And uh, you can get to compete against each other. So... 
and find out like who is the best of the style. It's not about the styles, of course. It's about uh, about the individual because each and every style has like good something good in it and uh, something bad in it. Like uh, about Bruce Lee said also, you take you take what is valid for you and you leave what is not good for you. So is it also a way like when you're reading, for example? Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that when they read a book, they're like, "Yeah, this is like self motivation stuff. It's not really important." Uh, like, it, it, like when you read a book, do, do you selectively choose like what, what you can pick, and then you absorb that? You absorb that? Yes, yes, of course, of course, you cannot like uh, take everything. Uh, you're not that person who's writing it. You're yeah. not that guy. You're not. You're never gonna be Muhammad Ali. You're your own individual. You have to take some things. What you consider is gonna be uh, good for you, and uh, maybe leave some things. What uh, what is not right for you? It's all about your inner feeling. What you what you want and uh, what you want to gain from it. Did Did you train in different styles as well? I trained uh, in different martial arts. Yeah. Well, mostly about karate. I was training. Uh, started with Shotokan, and after that, I did all of these like different kind of styles, uh, martial arts. I mean. Like boxing, kickboxing, Thai boxing. I went to the Thailand, of course, because of the Thai boxing, because of Muay Thai. Uh, and what is the best place to learn Muay Thai? You have to go directly there, like the like so-called Mecca of uh, Thai boxing. And uh, it just went on from there. After that, I started co to compete. I started to train people and everything. And uh, now I opened my like own style like uh, I call it scrivers karate because it's it's different it's not anymore shotokan it's not uh, at all thai boxing or boxing it's uh, what i took what it's uh, what's in my mind the best from all of the styles yeah. yeah i put it here and i'm teaching to other students other athletes and uh, we already have uh, some of the black belts under me as well we were doing our first uh, exams uh, in this summer, the previous summer, and uh, these were the athletes who were training alongside me for many, many years. It's not like I did my style and after that we just did an exam. Yeah. They were training in different kind of styles. They already had uh, uh, karate belts, uh, brown belts in uh, Shotokan, in uh, traditional styles. So after that, we all came together. We were training anyways together. I was helping out them in their uh, martial arts journey. They were helping out me for my fights, for my martial arts journey. And uh, now we have a team. Now we have our own style. And uh, possibly in the future, in karate combat, you're going to see more uh, fighters from uh, my style as well. Hopefully, and and what, what what distinguishes your style from other styles that that are out there? Well, when you see me fighting, when you see the uh, my black belts fighting my from my team, you you could you can understand that it's different. Uh, it's not just uh, a point fighting style. It's it's a different style. You have all of these crazy crazy kicks everywhere, like in Taekwondo and everything. Yeah. I think Taekwondo is uh, another level, like when you look at the kicks, if you want to get all of these crazy kicks, uh, leg dexterity and everything, I think you have to go to Taekwondo 
but karate is like it it includes everything it's not just about kicks about uh, punches about we have also takedowns and everything so if you just want to see what what is my style about you just have to watch me and uh, all of the fighters yes we have all of these uh, crazy kicks but we have uh, we're basing our style on uh, a smart fighting being being smart you know you have to be smart that you you don't want to get punched all the time in the head yes sometimes you go inside you you take one punch to yeah. knock him out but uh, you want to prolong your career and you want to be a good human capable human being after uh, your fight career as well do, do you believe en enough fighters uh, pay attention to their after fighting career because that, that's something that's mentioned a lot and a lot of fighters struggle with that it's also why I think fighting is one of the more riskier uh, career paths you can choose because you can't do it forever. Like at some point, you're gonna have to retire, and you're gonna have to do something else. Do you think in this day and age, fighters think about that or enough, or is it something that is still uh, not done? I think most of the most of the fighters probably they don't think uh, enough about it. Yes, for sure. That's that's how it is in our sport, and I think it's in uh, in sport in general. They don't think about uh, what's gonna what's gonna come next. But this is very important. You have to be smart, not just about your fighting style, but uh, what you're gonna do after uh, after your fight. You have to have some kind of education. You have to uh, have uh, some kind of career path or business or whatever, whatever you like. You have have to do. It. You have to build build something be besides the fighting career because uh, sooner or later, yes, it's gonna end. It's gonna end, uh, and we everybody understands it, anyways. Yeah. Everybody understands it, but uh, not a lot of people take action. You have to take action, and you have to think about it. Can I ask you if if you have a plan in place for that? Because you mentioned that you did you work as a, f a physiotherapist. You also work, work as a personal trainer. Are there some other things that you do in order to uh, make yourself future proof? Well, at the moment, I don't work a physiotherapist, but I have a education. Yeah. I finished finished university. I finished uh, like not just a physiotherapist. I finished as a sports physiotherapist, like specified uh, in the sports. And uh, also, I like uh, finished finished university, graduated as a coach. So I I have these options as well. Uh, I'm building my career with uh, my my gyms. Uh, we have a gym already in Latvia. We have a facility, a gym also in India. There are people training. We want to open up a gym here in Dubai as well, nice. because uh, I think Dubai gave me so much at these like uh, crazy times that we went through from 2020 when everything was closed. Dubai was open. We were able to train. We were able to prepare. We were able to compete and uh, to earn some money and uh, these are the things like uh, of course I'm thinking about it I'm uh, not just not just thinking about it but uh, taking action like uh, it's not about what you do what uh, how how money comes to you it's what uh, you do after that where, where do you invest it uh, where do you put it so you have to have a right team not just uh, in fighting world, but just in you have to have the right mentors in life as well. Do, do, do you think Dubai is a good place to, to be as a fighter? 
uh, it's a good place. It's a good place, hundred percent. There are a lot of a lot of gyms. Uh, mostly, I train like I, tra I said before in TK MMA. Uh, but here and there, uh, for for sparring, I go to a different gyms as well because you have to change up. Uh, yeah. Not just the gym, but also the training partners, the sparring partners, and everything. Uh, I think it's a good place, and uh, more international fights are happening here, like World MMA Championships and uh, UFC is here. Maybe there, I hear there's a talks that Karate Combat is gonna come here as well uh, in Dubai. So there are a lot of possibilities for uh, for martial arts and uh, fighters as well. You, you you decided to move to Dubai at a certain point. Uh, I imagine these factors played a role. What are some other things that you considered when, when moving to Dubai that played a role in your decision? Because it's quite a big move from going from Latvia to here. Well, uh, most important, uh, here is really easy to practice your Dean. Uh, it's not the so-called corporate America. Because because in each of these towers there there are prayer rooms. Yeah. You go outside. There is there is a mosque. You can uh, easily find a place where to pray. It's an, uh, I'm not saying it's a, a problem in Latvia. No, it's not a problem in Latvia for me. Uh, I can easily play pray anywhere, and uh, nobody's gonna say anything to me. People understand now nowadays. They're more educated about it. Uh, but uh, this this is much more easier here, of course. Uh, the thing. The second thing is look at the weather. It's like mostly sunny all of the time. Mostly sunny all of the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, so many options. Like you said before, before the, we started even to speak, there are so many options. You can like uh, expand your own name, your own business, your career in all kinds of ways. Do, do you see yourself living here for the next five years? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, I think this is the this is the one of the best cities in the world. Like I I know I have been in New York as well. A lot of uh, New Yorkers come here as well. They say this is like upgraded in New York. This is another level and everything. Yeah. What I also heard that was very interesting is that people said that Dubai is still uh, on some uh, domains like five years behind on the rest of the world. So there's a lot of like a lot of things to still do. Like there's so much construction going on, so that needs work. Uh, you can in all different things. Like you can contribute to that. You can create value more easily than other places in the world. That's something that you've because yeah. I, I, for, for example, also with if you were opening your own school, I'm sure like there are probably some other schools, but not as much. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Like uh, any individual who's gonna come here, he's I think he's gonna find uh, what to do and uh, what kind of value bring to, to Dubai. So a question I'm always very interested in to ask is uh, if you would be able to talk to younger Edgars, is, is there some advice that you would give to your younger self that you would consider important or something that, some life advice perhaps that also younger people can uh, can learn from? Well, life is life, you know, and uh, I lived, you know, you, you you never can change what, what was before and everything, but uh, I would just suggest to myself like, Always uh, believing, like God, believe whatever was written for you, your destiny and everything. Life is not paradise. It's not paradise. This is uh, this is dunya. This is uh, this is a life that we are living for a short term. There's gonna be hardships. There's gonna be tests. So 
just uh, never give up and uh, be be consistent in whatever you do. Whatever you do, be consistent. Like there's even a hadith that uh, our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he also said that God likes the deeds, the good deeds that you are doing, the consistent ones. Even it's a small deed, whatever deed it is, a good deed that you do, it's uh, about consistency. So you can learn from this as well. Just being, being consistent, persistent, and just going after your own dreams. And guess the question I always ask at the end of the podcast, because it's the signature question, would be, what does success mean to you? I've heard like a lot of different, I've made a few podcasts here in Dubai now, and I've heard like very different answers from everyone. I'm super interested in, uh, in your answer. I think uh, success is not a de uh, destination. It's just, just a journey. It's all the time. It's not going to be a point where you reach some kind of success, you achieve something, and that's it. Uh, if we are talking about sports, most of the guys, there was a study I read, most of the guys who won Olympic championships after achieving their dream, after uh, achieving the so-called success, they get in a deep depression, in a very deep depression. And uh, I think a lot of people also knows about, about Tyson Fury. The, he won all of the world heavyweight boxing championship belts. And after that, he got in deep depression. He was... Uh, about to kill himself. So it's not about reaching some kind of goal. All the time you have to have a deeper goal, a meaningful goal. It's not just about getting to the UFC championship, getting all of these belts, getting all of this money. And uh, I think it's all of this journey. Just enjoy. Enjoy life. Be thankful. Work hard and everything. And like never stop. Even if you reach something, uh, it's not end. Life goes on and uh, nobody cares. You just have to grind through. Nobody cares. And uh, what is my motivation after I reach my goals and everything? Yeah, you can easily fall in like depressions like we know from these studies and everything. From these like biographies, from Tyson Fury, from a lot of athletes. Like Allah says in Quran, I have not created mankind and jinn except to worship me. So always keeping a higher goal, higher bes be besides this like dunya lifestyle success and everything, when you reach some kind of goal, like I said, win championship, win, gain a lot of money and everything, there has to be something behind it. And uh, people who don't have it, uh, what I haven't seen from my own life and everything, they can easily fall in these like depressions and everything. Uh, but... But when you have this, when you understand this, that uh, we have created for a reason, there's a higher reason, then uh, always you can go back to your own creator. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit on, on the study that you read? Because I'm very interested in that. So I, I, I would suppose that it's the one of the reasons is because they experience such a very, like a high, like a dopamine high, adrenaline, like you, you're such a, like a height. And then when you're back in training, like it goes all the way down. Is that one of the reasons that they found that depression? Or as, rather... as, I, as I understand, it's uh, more about what they think because they are having this goal. Like, for example, this, yeah. this what I was uh, looking at. They are uh, 
trying to win Olympic gold medal. And Olympics are only once in a four years. So they have this goal all, all of these four years or even more, not just four years. You're growing up, you're all, all the time, you're thinking Olymp Olympic goal. I want to be Olympic champion, everything. Once you reach that goal, your whole life was dedicated to becoming an Olympic champion. You became Olympic champion and after that you don't know what else to do. Because you were just thinking how to diet better, how to train better, to which place to go to a training camp. You were just like thinking, having this tunnel vision. Yeah. And after that, when you reach it, uh, you don't have any other goals. That's when you fall down, when you think like, what should I do with my life now? And like we talked before, uh, before about uh, fighters, like uh, thinking about what's going to come after the fight career. This is the same thing, like uh, when you reach like highest highs, when you reach all of the goals, when you finish career and everything, uh, what you're going to do. If you don't have a plan, if you don't know what you're going to do, uh, there can be devastating consequences. And I also knew, like uh, I was reading about uh, Japanese people, uh, that they have no retirement age. They are working the whole life and uh, they're having some kind of goals, they have to take care of themselves, they have to take care of their own families, and Japanese has also the one of the highest... Uh, uh, life expectancy, life right? Exp yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you think one of the reasons is they have a purpose in life? I think that plays a big role, right? I think that, that plays a big role, but uh, also I think their life lifestyle, their culture, a lot of things. What are some good habits that people can pick up to improve their lifestyle and habits? Like, you have to start like uh, with here. I think th this is like where you, this is your garage, so-called garage. You have to like put everything into the place. You have to put everything into the place. If it's going to be chaos there, there, you, there is no, no space for daily good habits. Start by your own mind, by... Uh, being clear, focused, and after that, you can easily find many like habits on the internet. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Yeah. Edgar, thank you so much for all the knowledge. You're a very, very knowledgeable person. Thank you for uh, welcoming me, and it was my pleasure to come here and speak to you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm the most brutal and efficient and most ruthless champion it's ever been. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! You should be a monster, and then you should learn how to control the problem. It all comes from life lessons, and the lessons are learned through struggle.